Y'all niggas got me hot. Is we live? Is we live? Is we live? Yes, yes, you are now tuned into the rare podcast. And of course, I'm your host with the most NK, AK NK Flows, AK the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour. You done know the thing already. And of course, I'm joined by my lovely co host. Let's start with TS, Mr. Man coming his beard. It's Jixon. Okay, okay. Now we are joined by a special guest today. Introduce yourself, my brother. Nuvovich Ash, Ashton the Gods, in it. Um, say no more, big man. Yeah, <laughs> just here with a man them today, innit? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like, little intro about yourself. Like, where can they find you on socials? Like, what do you do? Like, you hear me? Socials. I know really use Twitter team, but to keep that private, innit? Mm-hmm. But, um, but where are they looking to? It's, in, oh, oh say no more, say no more, say no more. But, um... Yeah, Instagram, Nuvovich Ash. Are you man gonna type it somewhere? Because people won't be able to yeah, spell that in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I will slap it right there underneath. My guy. When I say ATS, my guy from day in it. But yeah. <laughs> Nuvovich Ash, Twitter, Snapchat, Nuvovich Ash, but don't add me unless you know me. Mm-hmm. Like that. <laughs> like you that, get but... me, you get me, you yeah. get me. Yeah. Come on, come on. And also, you know, with Rare Podcast, keep subscribing. We are seeing you lot subscribing. We appreciate the likes. We appreciate the shares. You lot keep doing that. And you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You get me? But enough of the intros. You know, we came here to discuss, you know, a very important topic. It's been happening a lot in the media. Football in racism. Hey, we for the fire. Racism, <laughs> English. Football. Racism in football. Football in the racism. Football and racism, yeah. Football and racism, that's the title. Football and racism, but anyway, racism and football. We've we've most recently seen it in England versus Bulgaria game, where England were playing Bulgaria in I think it was European qualifiers. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. European qualifying game, and English players, particularly the black ones, were greeted by a lot of racist, bigoted slander. And there's been a lot of conversation. There's been a conversation about players walking out. There's been a play conversation about you know. Should, should black players have to walk out? So I brought the man they made to discuss that. So, that, so you vote? Ashton, call Ash, me Ashton, Ash, bro. Let's Ash, go by cool, government. Cool, cool. I don't know how many people's government side because I keep doing it with TS, nah, it's innit? Man, it's man. Yeah, Everybody cool. knows it anyway. I know, Everybody cool. knows it. So Ashton, like, since you brought you on, like, what's your whole thing about this like opinion on this racism debacle that's been going on? Do you think like it's, it's a new thing or something that's been happening throughout the history well, of football? We know it's not a new thing. We know it's not a new thing. <laughs> But obviously, it's now a swept under the carpet thing. Mm. But now with it all coming back and everything, it's just like the issue's been highlighted. But I'm very strong in my stance that so much of it ain't being dealt with correctly. Like mm-hmm. So much of it. Because I feel right now it's very... By like FA managers. Oh yeah, by FA, by managers. But it's not just down to the FA and to the managers. You can say to some extent it's the players as well. But obviously... They're kind of they're kind of like pushed like under the radar because they're the ones that are facing it, mm. but ultimately they're the ones that can't really have a say in it because we know PR, all them things there don't really allow them to have a say in it. But I feel like it is being dealt with like very poorly because right now I would say I think you man can agree with me. It's a fad right now. Yeah. Like it's a fad. It's no more than that. Like the ra- but the anti-racism campaign is a fad or just I'm racism I'm not just talking about the whole anti-racism campaign mm. like, forget campaigns like, for a second let's scrap like, campaigns let's scrap kick 
kick racing out of football, yeah. all them things. Let's scrap, scrap that out. I'm talking that just people caring. Mm. Like, let's say to that extent. Okay. People caring because like the society, like the norm, it's, could I say the norm? Yeah. yeah. Is right now to kind of care. Mm. But sure yeah. yeah, I feel like showing you care, showing you care is way more prevalent than actually like Doing wanting something, something done about the issue. Yeah. Like, for example, I'm touching in on like, not even on England and Bulgaria, but like a whole nother incident. But let's say, for example, the Bernardo Silva situation. Oh, yeah. the monkey one. The Bernardo okay. Silva situation. Let's talk yeah. about that. Because there's a lot to this. Like, because all of us here, yeah, all of us sitting here as black men, black brothers, mm. we've all had friends of different ethnic minorities or even white friends. Like, most of us, Obviously, from areas so for that context, for context, that there aren't many white people, but and Benjamin Mendy, what was yeah, it? Bernardo Silva, Benjamin Mendy. If you've seen these man's Instagram, like very good friends, yeah, like very good friends. But obviously, Bernardo Silva posted the picture of Benjamin of Benjamin Mendy when he was younger, and compared it to that little a little Portuguese chocolate. Yeah. But the problem is the, the Portuguese chocolate one. Very not only was it like. Uh, imitation of a black kid mm-hmm. is literally like a gollywog and mm-hmm. there were adverts of it that mm-hmm. were like and now they're all banned slavery based and it's banned now isn't it yeah, yeah. the chocolate's it's banned, banned now yeah so that's only the controversy behind it but relating back to my original point now mm-hmm. where it's like it's kind of a fad what I've seen so regardless on your stance in the situation because my stance like if I drop my opinion here, is that like I understand that like it was a joke because we've all had like Jokes with like yeah. our white friends, our Asian yeah. friends, whatever yeah. ethnicity, yeah. like just about race. Yeah. Obviously, Bernardo Silva should know way better to put than down social media. It. Yeah. And also, I feel like when they're saying, yeah, he needs to do a six game ban educational courses, I feel like the educational courses, not, I don't think he needs to do that much, but I feel like it is relevant because he should kind of know like why people see mm. that. Because it looks mm. like in his response, he didn't clock why people saw that as a problem. But at the same time, to, in his defense, it's like if he's if these jokes are probably flying in their group chats or whatever these jokes yeah, are, probably, yeah. and him and Mendy are cool with each other. So these jokes, this is probably something that Mendy has seen time and time again, yeah. and and he's letting it run. So Bernardo Silva might be thinking, okay, if Mendy's letting it run, if other black players in my team are letting it run, surely other black people, like other people must think that this is calm, like this can run on social media. Because if the man them I'm, I'm targeting, if the man them I'm making jokes about are laughing, why sh- why is it anyone else's business? But at the same time, he needs to realise that just because these men accept it doesn't mean we, like the public need to see mm. it. Do you know what I mean? I thought that should have stayed in the GC. It basically became a norm for the minute if you're bouncing in the group chat, if you're bouncing with your boys now, <clears throat> And you put it on social media. By that point, it was normal to him to just but bounce with Benjamin Mendy. It's true. But it's, it's literally the, the reaction of, of the, the reaction of people, the reaction of fans. But the thing is, when you have like a big platform, you need to be wary of the yeah. stuff that you post on it. Yeah. So like yeah. you know, lately everybody's on this whole. Um, like the whole if if you see something racist it gets banned like stuff like Gucci um the whole um H and M thing so if he saw the outrage from all them um situations then he should have known it me posting this onto how many followers does he have on Twitter or something millions, like, exactly. millions, me posting it onto Twitter and then everyone and then everyone seeing it obviously there's gonna be outrage so you can't be acting all like oblivious and surprised when it when you see all these people um getting angry. So like if yeah if you have jokes like that with your friends yeah that's cool but keeping the messages don't need to be brought into. Mm. I f- I feel that's a lesson for him to be for um 
that he needs to learn specifically because again, I feel like he was a he was ignorant to the situation. Obviously, like 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 he said, he's probably flown these jokes around hella black players, um, and you know they've let it run. So again, he's assumed that boom because the, he's because even in his um, Twitter response, he was like, "Oh, why do people care about jokes make a month made amongst friends?" So he's only seen it from the perspective of him telling the joke to Mendy, and if Mendy's cool with it. You lot should be fine. But at the same time, it's like, those jokes have wider implications, especially within the game of football where black players have been ridiculed for a long period of time. I mean, John Barnes, when he, I mean, not to get his stoke, but John Barnes, when he was playing, had um, banana skin thrown at him. Like, this is in the 80s. He's in the 80s. Hey, he'll so probably it's throw like, banana skin at himself now. <laughs> we, we all know how black players in Italy, how black players in Italy get done. So it's like, I understand he was making a joke with a friend, but. Why the awareness needs to be put, especially with um, a player of Bernardo Silva's quality and acclaim, he needs to, you know, relax about Sergio, just keep him in the GC. Like, there's nothing wrong with you making the joke, but when you put something onto a public platform, you're going to get a public reaction mm. because you intend, because the thing is, you intended the joke for, you intended to put that joke on Instagram for people to what? Laugh. When you got the opposite reaction, you're saying now, ah, oh, why are people too. reacting? But if people had laughed with you, you would have enjoyed that reaction. But the thing is, that's wild is that he'd even at the, um, what's that guy's name? Mendy. 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 He'd even at him. So it was like, but it was in a thread though, so it was kind yeah, of. Yeah, like, yeah, I didn't see that. Everybody knew. It was everyone, Mendy. everyone knew it was about yeah. Mendy. Everyone knew it was about Mendy. Yeah. But still, I don't get stuff like that. Why would you put on social media and cry? But or would you fam, put it just between friends? You know what it is though. I think like obviously the whole point is like because let's be real, if you're gonna break down the racism over society long term, because remember, racism in football don't come just in football. Like, mm. Society, innit? If you're gonna break it down long term, yeah, is that it's all about education, education, education. Mm. And I feel right. I feel what this thing made me is yeah. Is a breakdown of barrier of like education and where not it's not necessarily about offending people because mm. if you man knowing me that like, offending people, I could do that in my day to day. Exactly. But it's not about offending people. It's literally about not perpetuating that like, racial stereotypes yeah. and having him continue in society where it becomes what it is now yeah. or what it has been. Yeah. So but for added context, like I'm realizing the guy who Bernardo Silva is, where he comes from, etc. Because I know for a fact that like from middle class Lisbon. And I can't talk for facts. I could just talk on that small bits of details that I know because I live in a heavily Portuguese area. Mm. They're Portuguese, Angolans, Guinea-Bissau, Cape Verdeans, all them, man, yeah? So what they tell me is that, that Portugal is quite racially divided. Mm. And it is a place where it's like, it's not like the UK where racist jokes can't run. Portugal, like, it will it'll run, it will mm. fly. Like, the fact that that chocolate got banned is like a big step because that like, stuff like that will fly. So it's like, while I, I very much, very much doubt Bernardo Silva's racist, I'm sure all of us, yeah. everybody that knows the situation doubts that he's racist. But it's kind of a thing where it's like... I think that was a step too far. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't Personally, I feel like the joke's <clears throat> calm, but I feel because like, I'll be real, like that's a joke that me, that not that exactly thing, but that's, those are jokes that me and Amanda will let like, fly in it. Mm. But it's like, do you know the implication of that joke to yeah. white society? Do you know... What that joke can bring on? And do you where know? It originated from as well. Yeah. Do you know where it originated from, and how where it originated from can have an effect into wider society? Yeah, that's not mm. that. It's like if you don't know about them things, then I feel like <coughs> you shouldn't necessarily be joking about them. But yeah. it's not for mm. me to tell people what they should do and shouldn't yeah. do. But back to my original point that I was coming from, what I ended up seeing on Twitter is like why I feel like it's a fad. The whole racing and football thing is a fad. Mm. Is that I saw a lot of 
white people that I can only assume just an assumption that can't say anything for definite or for sure but I can only assume a lot of white people that didn't necessarily grow up in multicultural society didn't necessarily grow up around black people Asian people whatever ethnic minority you want to talk I've seen them kind of saying oh how can this be a joke or how can because everybody does a little bit of snooping on Twitter like I mm. click like people's profiles and see like they only know white people for example it's just a mad assumption but it's always them the ones that are saying how can this possibly be mm, joke? overcompensated yeah how can how can people joke about these things how anytime you say so, some sort of ethnic joke you're racist mm. so i feel like hmm like if you haven't grown up in the environment where these things can run or where these things are like appropriate amongst peers because we know about each other's struggles etc then it's like why are you only sticking up for it because you see it as a problem where a lot of people don't, don't see, see it, it as a problem. As a problem. Yeah, I don't see like him making jokes with Mendy as a problem. Uh, like them joke, he can make as many jokes as he wants because that's his friend. Mm. And as long as you know there's there's boundaries set within that friendship, that's fine. Again, my perspective was just you know putting it on social media and all of that. But like another avenue I want to tackle as well is because you kind of said racism, um, this whole anti-racism thing in football is kind of a fad right now, and. A lot of the time in media, especially like it comes to football pundits, I've seen there's been a much more concerted effort from football pundits to address it than ever before. A lot of the times it'd be like, yeah, there's racism, but, you know, these are just from a specific, like, you know, we can't label the whole league as racist. You know, people try to cover up um, that there's racism in football. This is the first time where, in a long time, where I've actually seen like football pundits say, nah, whether... I don't, I don't know whether they, whether society has changed to the point where people become more inclusive or whether the fact that there's more black players playing in football in general, so they can't be as openly racist because there's maybe a black man playing for their team or maybe there's a black man, you know, who's a captain of their team. So it's very interesting to see. Let's also remember that these pundits will have to stick with the audience, with the public and say, oh, this is racist. Even yeah. though they personally may not feel that way, but for the sake of BT Sport telling them, you have to stick with this. This is your. This is going to be your agenda. This mm-hmm. we have to say. Sky Sports saying that because even I watched. Um, I don't know if you saw Patrice Evra and Jamie Carragher, mm. and they, and they were talking about the Evra and Suarez situation. Yeah. And Jamie Carragher was a part of that dressing room. When yeah. Suarez was racist. He was a part of all of that with Liverpool. Yeah. And he was. And when the incident happened and Suarez got banned, Liverpool were wearing t-shirts. Suarez mm-hmm. t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> and then. Jamie Carragher, when I was watching it yesterday, Jamie Carragher was acting very oblivious, like, ah, oh, yeah, that happened, but I didn't know until I didn't know about. got to the hotel. I didn't know that they were wearing T-shirts until this. But like, he was an active participant. Yeah, I've, I generally, I did it. I, I saw right through him. I think, that, I think he was being, he was being fake right there. He was probably a part of it. Like, yeah, he said the initial reaction when incident happened is to be on the side of your friend, be on the side of your family, whoever. So he was just saying he was just backing Luis Suarez, not realizing like the extent of the situation. But even stuff like that, those pundits, they they may not feel like they have to stand with the public, but BT Sport, Sky Sport, all these mm. places, they tell them this has to be what you say. And you know, speaking Otherwise, of pu- you're gonna lose your job. Speaking of pundits as well, it's like I feel like okay, there's then there's a narrative going on. I don't know. If, I'm ifing it that certain pundits will, in fact, no. Never pundits. There's certain language in football that, for me, is quite racist. 
it's quite racist. Yeah, Whenever a player's attitude is brought up, <sighs> if ever a black player's attitude is brought up, Moise Keane hadn't played a single game in the Premier League. You know, Mr. Graham was like, you know... Graham Sooners. Mr. Graham. Graham Mr. Graham. Blood Clark Sooners. Was like, oh, this guy, great talented player, did things for Juventus. Why would Juventus want to say him, sell him? Must be his attitude. Where up you until know, that point, there had been no articles about his attitude. All he had done... It was all assumption. It was all assumption. He hadn't even seen him play. All, all he had done, yeah, was rightly so, be angry that man were racist to him. Mm-hmm. So be angry that man were racist to him. And then man like... um. Benucci, I tell it, man like Benucci, I tell him, oh, I should have celebrated in that way. Oh, there's different ways to. 50 50. Oh 50/50. my God. The, it's, it's, the situation is 50 50. On him. 50 cent of the situation is. Nah, man. Literally. Yeah, nah, that situation was not 50 50. That was pure in racism, blatant. And to to even in to even think that Moyes Keane has an attitude problem. When he hasn't even played a single game in the Premier League and there have been no reports about his attitude, for me, screams an agenda. Screams a massive agenda. When we were having this conversation outside, Ashton said that all these pundits, all these footballing, like the white people in football want every black person to be like... Kante. Calm, collected, never has like a social media presence, doesn't say too much. When when people of Keane and Pogba show their confidence on social media... He's doing too, he's being flamboyant. Lingard as well. It's a problem. It's a problem. Exactly. Like, fam, when it comes to like Jesse Lingard, that's one that, because people say attitude problem all over. Mm. He's a kid. Like, well, he's not a kid. We know he's 26, he's turning he's 27. He's just living his life. The way he lives is very similar to a 19 year old. Like, mm-hmm. He just dances. He likes to dance. Mm. Like, they'll it's kill him for liking to, to dance. Himself. Yeah, they'll kill him for liking to dance. Like, they'll kill him for having other business ventures. Like, I understand the stance that, like, he had what is it? He had like his grand opening for his clothing for his clothing range a day after the loss. Mm. But like when it comes to key your keens, your soonesses, having to talk on that like is their era, acting like players didn't like drink alcohol, like mm. come to games drunk. Oh they did, they didn't like get into Dude. bar fights. Like yeah. these men were actively like these men were actively you, going to bars, drinking, coming to um, games drunk, actively smoking. I mean, yeah. Paul Gascoigne. Yeah. I mean, England's if hero. If you look at his transition, let's be honest, a drunkard. He was an addict. He was a drug addict as well, was he not? Yeah, but he just had he just had that sexual assault court case. Yeah, yeah. but it's, it's the fact that wild, back man. then social media wasn't a thing. People's life wasn't publicized. No, but I don't. But I don't think they'd be. If even if social media was a thing, I don't think he'd be. I think they those players wouldn't be that under that much scrutiny. I think it's particularly flamboyant black men that are just unapologetic about their blackness. Mm. Like when Paul Pogba steps into a pitch, you can just you can just see his he wears his heritage on his sleeve. Players that are unapologetic about where they come from, the media don't like. The media will automatically paint them as these man got an attitude problem. This man's got this. This man's got that. When really, really and truly, they don't. And another phrase in football that I believe to be racist is Ashton said it, pace and power. Uh, when you minimize a footballer's technic technical ability to just what pace, what power. And the reason why that's a racist term is because pace and power have nothing to do with skill. It's, it's all about, uh, it, it, all, it all feeds into the stereotype, oh, these black men, you know, they're just genetically built, they're savages, yeah, they're yeah, brutes. Yeah. Look how much oh. strength he got. Look how much speed he got. You know, 
You can't teach that. These men, you can't teach. They're, they're taking away the footballing IQ and intelligence of these players. They do have. Which they, they have an abundance of. Them, yeah. um, when I say I can list so many examples of this, I'm like, even Moise Keane, on the same day that they said that about him, all I heard about Moise Keane pace, was, power. he's got so much pace, he's got power. You know this guy is so technically gifted, like, Moise Keane, if you watch him, very technically he good player. Be. He's got fast feet. It will be, doesn't even have pace and power like that. Doesn't have no all ounce I of pace or power. about him is... They talk about him like he's Adama Traore, bro. He will be the number 10. No, he will be... Even look, positioning doesn't make sense. He will be the number 10. What num number... To play a number 10, you have to have skill and technique. You, that that <laughs> position... That position is built for people who are technically gifted. Bro, why would you have... Of, that's part of the agenda. Why would you... Why, why would you describe a player who's naturally a number 10... But I haven't attributes such as pace and power. But it doesn't listen, make any listen. sense. That's why these men see it will be as a winger, though. That's why a lot of pundits, because there's a lot of pundits that have a good football IQ. Jamie Redknapp's got a good football IQ. But Jamie Redknapp also falls into that pace and power bracket too much. Mm. And I think he started to turn it down over the last year because he's been like, addressed on Twitter because yeah. he falls into it too much and he knows. But these guys will still tell you that Alex Awobi's a winger. Like, do you guys not see like, how he plays? Like, do you guys, have you guys not watched him in the youth team? Because like, mm. I'm thinking, how do I know so much more than all these pundits? Like, mm. If you're doing your education, you'll find out. In fact, you just have to watch football to realise that Alex Wolby is a technically gifted player, not blessed with too much pace and power that can do his thing in that way. But there's but always the narrative. Like he's a winger. Oh, he's a natural winger. He's not a natural winger at all. Mm. But because a winger like, is seen as a position where the black boy from London plays. Mm. Literally, yeah, yeah just mm. slap them into the that bracket. Play Sunday league, and that's what they do. Yeah, and they kick the ball down the oh. wing. That's they love it. For me, that, down the wing. Down the channel for Jamal. For real, grab it. Real, grab it. Tactics is just like right. down the channel. Right, son. Get the ball. Get it down to Jamal. Get it down to Jaden. Get it down to Jamal. Right, they Jamal. I want it. you to use that strength, that natural giving strength you've got. Yeah. Use that speed. Bomb down the wing, son. You've Man, got it, mate. Jamal wants to be a cam. He wants to be controlling the game. Ah. Put yeah. him down the wing. Put him down the wing. Subtle racism, man. This, that's the thing it's about subtle. Britain. It's little thing, the mm -hmm. Britain is It's subtle. subtle. That's the thing that jars me so much. Most man. people won't realise it. Most people don't even realise they're saying it. In yeah. fact, us, man, we won't realise that we would have taken on some of these little points. That like, some little parts are already, like, not embedded, but already, like, nurtured into our agenda because mm. we've heard this, this, and, and so, so, and so, this pundit, this pundit, this football expert say it. Mm. So they're already, like, ingrained to our agenda. Like, because who's arguably the most like, pacey and powerful direct runner of a football in this modern era in the last 10 years? You could say like Ronaldo, oh, Gareth Bale. Mm. But both white. Wayne Rooney. And then, and, and when they... <laughs> <laughs> Give it a <laughs> Just take it easy. Just oh, well, take it well, easy. Well. I ain't gonna cut that. No, but Gareth, yeah, Gareth yeah, Bell. speak of them, when they speak of them, they don't speak of them. Gareth Bell is pure. Like, he is the definition of pace and power. We can left foot, though. Don't forget but, that no, all, but... Exactly, but it, it, it goes into yeah. power. Like, Gareth Bell, I've never heard the... I've always heard Gareth Bell... Ex they do what they'll say they'll use other words explosive yeah. dynamic like boom <laughs> never but pace and power will be used to describe any black man any black man bro you ever think I've heard anybody talk about Adama Traore's close control and dribbling ability mm. nah they don't want to talk about it pace and power that the he only runs time with. that narrative doesn't apply to black man is when they're, when they're South American when they're Brazilian when yes. they're Brazilian it's like, oh, these men are different. 
Because we know that Brazilians play a certain type of way. So that's why they'll never describe someone like, I don't know, when Robinho was, when Robinho was in the Premier League, they'll never use pace and power of him because they know that um, South American football is very, you know, South American footballers are extremely technically gifted, especially you Brazilians. You don't even need yeah, pace got, and power. Like, they've got a separate narrative already instilled for Brazilians mm. as well because Brazilians are Brazilians. That So we're not even talking about pace and power. You can talk about just Brazilians in general. And this don't even come in about just black people. This is just Brazilians in general. And I think you could argue that it's not like your white players from Brazil that get this. Because you wouldn't necessarily hear this about Kaká. Yeah. Mm. You wouldn't necessarily hear this about Jorginho, who is Brazilian. I know mm. what I'm talking about. Just plays for Italy. Just plays for Italy, but he is Brazilian. But yeah. But you will hear this about your Brazilians from other races, like your Robinhos, your... Dinos. Your Dinos. You wouldn't even hear this about Kaká about Kaká or Pato. That Pato what? actually fell off as well. Mm. But or Oscar hear, or someone the like reason for their fall off is... Greed, money, they money, got... Money, parties, greed. Bro, because Robinho, you could argue that it was, yeah. Yeah. It definitely was. But you're also forgetting Robinho had shed loads of injuries. Mm. Robinho was so injury prone, it's unbelievable. One that always gets me as well is Denilson. There's been... Do you mind know what Denilson I'm talking about? Not Arsenal Denilson. Some man don't know. There was a player that played in the early 2000s, innit? Speaking to him out, bro. Called Denilson, innit? Wicked left foot. Step overs galore. Like, feet, technically, pace. Like, he was bought from Betis in, like, by Betis in, for about 25 million in before 2000. Mm. And when someone's going for that money before 2000 from the Brazilian league, you mm. know they're serious. But he fell off. Failed to adapt to your everything. Mm. But the early narrative was parties, this. He must be mm. going to parties. He must be going to this. I heard an interview of him, he's like, black. yeah, because he's black Brazilian, or I didn't even think he's just black Brazilian, just ethnic Brazilian, just poor Brazilian. Mm. Whether you're black, whether you're olive skin, whatever type of, of Brazilian or Latin American you are, yeah. unless you're the figurehead type, then you're going to get slapped with that narrative. But yeah, he made the interview saying, well, it wasn't that, it's injuries and a struggle to adapt, like mentally mm. it's a struggle to adapt. Like, even, even, even with deep... Even with um Dino, even with Ronaldinho, right? When 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 we saw him in his prime, the media loved him. Of course, everyone loved him. But when he started to like, when he started to decline, I immediately saw the narrative shift. He's a party animal. He does this. He does that. And of course, Ronaldinho, from what I've seen, obviously he's a, obviously every football player likes their leisure time. But I felt like with Ronaldinho, every, human likes every their yeah exactly. Time. But he wasn't doing anything out of the norm. He wasn't doing he wasn't. anything out of the norm. Like, of course, my man, okay, of course, if you take images of my man at a party, you're going to say, you're going to create a narrative that he's a party goer, but he mm. he didn't seem like a party goer. He, he just seemed like... Training, was this the UK media? Do you know how many players Bear go media, parties Spanish, on legs? European media. Because he played in Italy, he played in Spain, but it's, it's Europe, innit? But... Ronaldinho is black, innit? Yeah. Yeah. He's black yeah. Brazilian. But yeah, do you know how many... Do you, but it's always a slap to the Brazilian players because do you know how many players do the same? Like, mm. I can tell you footballers that I've seen at certain places because they go out pretty much every night. Oh, what was I was going to say. But yeah, um, I could tell you footballers that have had their career as deemed as injuries when they've got cocaine addictions. Oh. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But they can't name drop like that, innit? But I could tell, but obviously it's mad, innit? But we can say that they're, they're white. Yeah, white footballers, Wait, white European footballers, innit? They're not, they're not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So, but they haven't been shamed in the media. You man only knew that because I told you because I know inside sources yeah. that... Yeah. I know inside sources that have told me, in it. Mm. So it's like, 
why has this narrative only been reserved for a certain agenda? Is it to perpetuate that agenda further or are you we know, really trying to change stuff? If that narrative was stuck to white people, there'll be major backlash. Absolutely. If that narrative was stuck, like it is now stuck to black people, even if there's major backlash, it's not heard and you, they don't care. You know what? Them. I'm not sure about that. Go on. I'm not sure there'll be major, major backlash if a narrative was stuck with just white people. Because literally based on the fact that even though obviously the problems are very different and you can't really compare, a lot of the times poor working class, let's say your chavs and whatever, poor white people are subjected to their own, a lot of their own agendas as well yeah, by the middle class British and the elaborate, middle class elaborate. British media. For example, let's talk about Magic Rooney. Wayne Rooney, one of the best players this country's ever seen, yeah? Even David Beckham, your Steven Gerrards, your... Whoever, whoever all these men are, a lot, of, a lot of the press they get is comparable to a lot of the things that, you know, your Raheem Sterling's received when mm. they were young. I wouldn't say it's the same. I would say Sterling's definitely had it worse than most. Mm. But Rooney and Beckham have had a few bad headlines in their day. They have, for, but... For virtually nothing. But I don't know. The difference between Rooney and Beckham is that what, what they do is that, okay, the media may publicise their stories about, okay, there's a scandal here and scandal there, but they will never... What I've seen with black players as well, and we've got this go back to the pace of power thing, is that we've never minimized Rooney as a player. We've never minimized David mm-hmm. Beckham as a player. What the what the narrative did with what what happened with Raheem Sterling, partic- particularly Raheem Sterling, right? First of all, for his move to Man City to Liverpool, he was demonized oh as my greedy. God, yeah. He was he was demonized and money every, grabbed money, money grabbing grabbing twenty year olds. Greedy and he's not worth the money. Is he that good? The me remember the media were Chris. Don't don't be confused now that Raheem Sterling's considered the world class player. Don't be confused. Before he was considered bang average. The media used to minimize his potential all the time. People used to say that media Sterling's a good player, but is he a world class player? That debate <clears throat> used to happen until he went to Man City and his talent. I think that conversation, conversation started because he was the most expensive English player and he was black. But you do not like white, expensive English player. That conversation would have been. That's true. What do you call it? The the media do they like to paint black people in a bad light? Mm. So that's why they're probably doing this. Like I've seen a lot of headlines about Raheem Sterling, even the one where um he bought his mama house. Yeah, and full folding did the exact same thing. And then he got dragged for it. Exactly. And then the boy boy they congratulated him. Full folding. Yeah. Then even his um girlfriend. She couldn't come to one of his matches. They were like, oh, she went out to shop instead. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why is that a headline? You know what, even, even when he does something as simple as that, I think you went... Pasty from Greggs or Primark. No, yeah. no, remember, no, the gun, remember the tattoo, oh, the whole scandal was about... Onto that. The, the, yeah. the scandal about the tattoo, which was to commemorate his own father. He but, was killed by a gun. But, but even despite his own reason, people are like, oh, it symbolises gun violence. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, why? Symbolises gun... Because, yeah, no, what I said about... Hey, white British lower class players yeah it's relevant but I'm deep in it even more now mm. it's not the same it's not the same because I still think it's relevant and certain men because they're from a certain lower class background yeah. get their stick but it's definitely not the same because David Beckham's got what's that type of he's got like is it like a, I can't I can't exactly say what it is but isn't like a knife a cross tattoo on the back Beckham of his neck is mm. a that he's had forever yeah <clears throat> but when it comes to Raheem Sterling getting tattoos now it's, it's an issue it's mad it's an issue. issue. It's an it's, a, it's an uh, issue. They want to pick every little problem and just make it into something that isn't. But but now we're talking about the covert racism that you know that me that you know European media 
specifically sometimes British media, British. British media put forward. But when the England versus Belgium game, oh sorry, you're gonna say something. I can't always call them out on it because it's it's so subtle that you, mm. like Ashton said, you might miss it or you can't call them out on it. They're like, oh, we're not being we're not being racist. Yeah, we didn't say this, we didn't do that. But but you know, that's the thing. That's the. I know I'm coming off the rails or whatever you call it, the tangent. What do you guys call it? Tangent. tangent yeah, tangent. but you know what do you call it? You know the whole Meghan Markle situation. You know, for like ever since she started, like ever since she got married to um Harry, um Harry, yeah. like the media just been every little thing she did, there was a problem. She opened the car door by herself; it was an issue. She held her belly a certain way; it was an issue. And then now, only Harry has on what he could have gone and said that he's gonna sue them if they carry on putting out these headlines about her. And then now look how all nice they are. They what they call it a good mother. Meghan Markle Tan- does this, and I'm just like. The media is definitely racist, especially exactly. British media. Exactly. That leads me on to a perfect seg, a perfect segue. Now, back to the England versus Bulgaria game. Oh, a lot of man. players were talking about black players should walk off. No, but I team. think personally, it shouldn't just be the black players walking off. The same way, um, Jason just said that Harry, Harry, who's Still a white man, supported a black woman. Mm. These white players support your brethren. Exactly. Walk off too. You, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to always hear Raheem Sterling and these black players speak because you know why? Because of course, you're the recipient of the racism. Of course, you're going to feel a certain type of way. And of course, you're going to act because it affects you. But I want the teammates around you to help you, to build, be around you. To show that to, you understand. To right, show. Cool. Yeah, you know what I've got to say about that? Yeah. I'll say, to be honest, I'll say that has been done to the extent where if Raheem Sterling, Tyrone Mings, Marcus Rashford, if them man wanted to walk off the pitch that day, I could say, well, not for a fact, but I'm pretty sure that Gareth Southgate and Harry Kane mm. all walked off the pitch. They would, mm. Harry Kane would have been like, yeah, guys, let's go. And they did ask Harry Kane a couple of questions and Gareth Southgate a couple of questions about it. Like, obviously, white guys that mm. can't talk for Gareth Southgate, but I know Harry Kane. Harry Kane's from an area close to where, where I live, in it. Mm. So I know that he's been around black people in his life. Yeah. But at the same time, one, why are we making... Football players, well, obviously they've got a degree, to a degree, talk about it. But why are we making them so responsible for fighting the issue? Because I know half the time, Raheem Sterling probably doesn't want to be this figurehead to yeah. the issue, but he's got to be. But further further than that, these white players now have to do it because they're expected to do it. It goes back to what we were saying before about pundits being expected to condemn the issue and talk about it. Mm. Like now, white players got to condemn the issue and talk about it because that's what they got to do. Mm. All, it's all going back to it, for me personally, all, all going back to it being a fad, being something that's that's got to be done because it's popular, because it's socially acceptable. Obviously, where the fad leads, where the fad leads to less racism in society, more education in society, that would be great. But for me, I'm very reserved on mm. like, this issue. I'm very sceptical about how much of a fad it is. Because in five years, if the agenda is to start demonising black players again, or... We're just going to demonise the few Asian players there are in football or whatever minority. Like, you know this conversation of what's going to happen. Pitch. I was so on the fence with it. I didn't know if I didn't know if I agreed with it. I didn't know if I disagreed with it because, like, like you said, it's their job. That's their career. They'll be stepping away from their career. They will be stepping away from their job just to silence a few people. And I feel like if you, as a as a black footballer, footballer of an ethnic minority, if you step off the pitch because of racism. I feel like you kind of show that you've been defeated and you're kind of showing, you're kind of giving it, you're, you're kind of giving the fans what they want. 
I that's that's how I feel. for me I see it more especially especially like sorry especially if like like you said should Harry Kane the captain of England the white man the captain of England walk off the pitch I feel like if he says yes and he takes the initiative to say yes we're gonna walk off and then leads the whole team I think that would be better than having the black people walk off to show that they they've, they've been defeated by themselves. Mm-hmm. For me, I was saying that the reason why I'm not I'm not necessarily. Again, the players walking on and off is is difficult because at the same time, this is these man's career. And Raheem Sterling, the Re- Raheem Sterling walking off in the prime of his career could have a lot of negative impact. Yeah, that's why I was on the fence. Because this guy's in the prime of his career. He needs to showcase to the world his talents at the height of his career. Do you know what I mean? So he needs to be on that pitch playing. But at the same time, the reason why walking off is effective because not just walking off once, if it happens... If it happens another time, walk off again and again and again. The reason why? Because it starts affecting people's money. Because if people know, because if people if people are going to games, knowing that, let's say, the opposition is racist and our players are going to walk off, it's going to give more incentive for not only the fans, but the corporations to put a stamp on racism. Because let's be, let's be clear, if p- players walk off games, games don't happen. Games don't happen, which affects people's money. Because that means, because I they think that affects everyone. If a game doesn't happen, it affects the broadcasting network broadcasting the game. Because now they've got to make up for lost time and they've essentially wasted money buying a, buying a slot that's not being filled. It, it affects the it affects the that state. Will probably backfire to the footballers walking off. It probably mm. it, it will, but there's no it, no it won't because I'll tell you why. If no, if footballers yeah are not, I'm not gonna say every footballer in the world is gonna be anti-racism, but if the prominent figures like the cash grabs in the like the prominent figures in the Premier League such as the Harry Kanes and all of them say, we're not playing no more. Mm. That That is going to have a major effect because the players are the, the, players are the stars of football. Yeah. These players are the reason why we watch. And as much as they may take a minor, they may take a small L in terms of the money they make, these corporations are taking bigger, bigger Ls because the same way that when um, a football team is doing well, it helps the business, it helps the owners. When a football team is doing bad, it hurts the owners. And the owners will be like, you all are messing up my investment with this racism thing. Like Cut it said, out. Like Cut it out. Some, like you said, someone asked you or someone, there was a conversation that we had and you said, why, when people say, why do footballers get paid so much? Footballers get paid millions. But because the, the owners, owners billions. They make the owners billions. And it's true. It's true. Do you think that they, footballers should show the resilience to, for the sake of like, staying on topic of the racism and then have, getting racism? Should they show the resilience to stay on the pitch and I'm, to deal I, with it? I don't want to say they should because they shouldn't even be in this position in the first place. There should be checks and balances by the FA, by UEFA, by FIFA to make sure that this thing is stomped out. Really, these footballers are going and beyond, above and beyond their line of duty. We have yeah, to yeah. we have to credit them for that. They're doing, they're going above and beyond because the organisations at hand are not doing their jobs. Let's be, let's be clear. If the organisations were doing their jobs, we wouldn't be in this position. But because the situation is where it is, I feel like, I don't want to say, I don't want to encourage it, but sometimes the L might have to be taken How's for a bigger course. Wait. How do you think the organisations should do, do their job? First and foremost, this this the fines they give in these clubs are measly. The fact, for example, I was watching um Arsenal um um Robbie from Arsenal Fan TV, yeah. and he said like in I think, and then um, when he was growing up, teams were banned from banned from European competitions. For I think the Premier League was banned from um European from the Champions League at one point. The entire Premier League, because the British really? fans used to be no yeah. If you look, if you go back, I think 
I got searched that one time. Yeah. Apparently, again, I might be wrong. If I'm chatting rubbish, the comments will get me. But um, <laughs> but apparently, like, um, certain teams of Premier League were banned because of English fans. They were doing, doing, doing up hooliganism in other people's countries. Yeah. And UEFA said, nah. Like, do you know what? You British, you English teams, stay there. You're not going to be in Champions League for like a year. That wasn't even racially fueled, was it? That was just behaviour. Behav- like, who, disruptive behaviour. You lot, you lot, stay. If it's you, if you, act, exactly. So if you were forward to tell a team like Red Star Belgrade, which are known for being quite, you know, racist, you not nah, you lot have done too much racist, racist chance toward um in recent years. You lot, you're not allowed in Champions League for one year. That but, messes up people's money. That makes fat because what what's what's gonna happen is that okay, Red Star, but let's say Red Star Belgrade are, are banned from the Champions League, right? The olders are gonna be much stricter on racism in that next season. They're going to be like, okay, you lot can't chant this, you lot can't chant this. So the club will police its own fans. Mm. So by the time they get back into the Champions League, they've already been conditioned not to be racist. You have to... It's a good solution in my opinion. But my only issue with that, yeah, is how can we long-term educate these people? Because from when you do that, yeah, from when you ban people from being racist, mm. that's going to... While it will spew up a whole generation of people that realise that racism is a negative thing, because you're not really teaching them how racism affects certain people, it's going to also spew up a whole generation of people that are opposed to anti-racism now. Mm. Look at my brothers holding the, what is it? Um, no, you know, no anti-racism or whatever. They were, yeah, the yeah, jumpers yeah, they're yeah, holding yeah. up, yeah. All, all them signs there. Say no to racism. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's going to fuel a bunch of people that because they haven't been able to understand the issue at hand, because all they know is that them and their people got persecuted against mm. for being racist. Mm. It's just going to f- add fuel to the fire. So I think when you do that, there needs to be so much more of like of a structure that is based on educating people, a long-term plan on how to combat this issue mm. rather than just doing that. And as UEFA would do, just doing that to show up appearances. And yeah. But taking a stand in itself can be wild, isn't it? Because like, when you take a stand, everybody's got to take a stand together because... As you were saying earlier, touch on what you man was saying earlier about big businesses. Yeah, they'll be losing money, but there's also a way that, let's say, people like UEFA can twang the situation mm. if they're losing a certain amount of money, but they know not everybody's going to take a stand. Because look at what happened to people like Colin Kaepernick, innit? Mm. Took a stand, yeah. But obviously everybody's like, yeah, go cap, go cap. But, but no one really but, took it with him. But that's why I'm advocating for the white players. Because, okay, I'm advocating because in the Colin Kaepernick situation, right, he was very much on his own. So mm. it was very easy to single him out. The reason why I'm advocating for like, like these prominent figures in football to stand alongside Raheem Sterling, because you can't isolate Harry Kane. Harry Kane's one of the biggest stars in the Premier League. You, if, if, if you tell, if, if, if you start, if the media, if Harry Kane was like next to Raheem Sterling and backing him fully, the media won't turn on Harry Kane. That's their golden boy. So it, it, it takes certain it, it takes you to be aligned with certain figures to provide that air of safety around you. Because if if let's say if in when it comes to England, if Harry Kane says, Okay, if Raheem's not playing, I'm not playing. And he, has, he, has to, he has to do it with sincerity. We have to be yeah, with, with Vim. Well, if anybody, he says anybody can get isolated though, anybody can get turned into a I don't villain, think so. I don't think, I think so. Anybody can, because I you feel have like to do it with I feel, so much Vim. Like, because you Because you know why? Because he, even though the media are against Raheem Sterling, there are people that lo- that that love the narrative that Raheem Sterling's getting. People are like, yeah, forget Raheem Sterling. These black players are this and that. 
Sorry, the white man, white man's not gonna turn on their golden boy. I don't think they, they're not gonna turn on their golden boys. Ha, they're not. Harry Kane, we know Harry Kane is the media darling right now. They the media everyone loves Harry Kane. He is the symbol of like he's he's England's he's England's golden boy. So if Harry Kane's like I'm with Raheem, mm. these white people are not gonna now turn on Harry Kane. Because Has Harry Kane been vocal about this whole situation. Has he come out? Oh yeah, he's had he's had statements. interviews where it's like like, cause I remember the last England match against Bulgaria, they asked him to talk a bit in it, mm. and I can't tell you word for word what he said. I can't tell you much at all because I wasn't paying attention because it was very much the mundane. Yeah, we condemn this. Yeah, I walk with my players off the pitch. You know the normal stuff that you'll expect. You know Media the arts. captain of your yeah. the captain of your team. Politically correct stuff. Yeah, politically correct stuff. So it's just that, and while you're saying that, yeah, it's cool, but it's just feeding into the whole fad. It's just feeding into the whole mundanity. Is mundanity a word? Um, anyway, <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm sure I saw it somewhere, but <laughs> trust me. But yeah, it's just feeding into mm. the whole like just run of the mill anti racism. Yeah, like mm. kick it, the kind of stuff that kick it out love. Because me personally, in it, I've got two two issues with just kick it out as a whole brand, as a whole campaign, as so a whole kick organization. It out. That's, a, that's a campaign against racism yeah. in football. Yeah, so. It just kind of goes along with the whole political correctness. Mm. Do this, do that. Mm. The yeah, you're expected to do this. So obviously, yeah, carry on with your point, but he does talk, but what do you what do you not think of these propaganda videos where they put Messi on the forefront, Ronaldo on the forefront, Ibrahimovic on the forefront saying say no to racism, no to racism, whatever. Yeah. What racism. Of, What's that? Like, no racism. Racism. These propaganda videos. I don't know how effective they are, and I feel like they this a lot of them are done with insincerity. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fam. What have they done, fam? If you're gonna throw, if you're gonna throw me bags to say, bloody say no to an issue that I don't really care about, that doesn't affect me. Yeah, then bro, pay me the bags and I'll say no. Obviously, and if I think yeah, I'm gonna help people a bit. Yeah, just give me the money. Mm. I'll do that. Run me that. You get what I mean? But so it's just. One, what are the players taking out of it? Because, like, if we're narrowing it down, yeah, it's hard to think that there aren't any players without racist views because it's just like, cool, there must be top players. Even Messi's been caught saying stuff to certain African players <laughs> that man can't chat too much about. Mm-hmm. So how many of them really, one, how many people are buying into the idea that you're feeling? How many people are saying, say, no, to racism, but, yeah. like, real talk are thinking that, Oh, I hate the way some of these black players move. Yeah. And two, like, what what is it doing and what has it done? That's, Again, yeah. fad culture. It's not just with this this issue and racism. It's a mm. lot of issues. Mm. Fad culture. Yeah, there are definitely like many ways that this topic can be broken down. We could we could spend hours on hours um talking about this but in the comment section that like, comment down below as well like what are solutions tweet as well tweet comment tweet us what are solutions to this racism in football problem like actual solution because obviously there's the walking out thing but maybe there might be you know more um accountability placed on the organizations you get you get what i mean but definitely this is a topic that definitely I don't think this is the last time we're going to speak about this. Yeah, because this was just waffle. Uh, we were just talking because there's a lot to there's talk about. Lot, there's a lot. There's a lot. Like onion, bare layers. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, man, definitely. We'll probably be sitting here again. Definitely, 100%. 100%. 100 Now, God willing. On a bright, actually, it's not even a bright or not. On another topic. 
Spoiler alert. I repeat again, spoiler alert. If you ain't seen Joker, please come off the video. Click away. I'm giving you time. Please oh, wait, come wait, off the wait, video. Wait, wait, wait. What? Wait. Oh, so they can come off the video. That's enough time. Right? <laughs> That's enough. Yeah, okay, cool. Cool, cool. Let's talk about Joker. This movie. Great Boom. movie. In my opinion, everyone, people that know me know that I am not with the MCU. I'm not with the Marvel Universe. Wow. Excuse me? nonsense. Same, bro. Hey, bro, same. Hey, you man are bugging, really fam. Don't really care too tough. I like it, but I don't really care too tough. I, like, I, like, I, like, like, cool I like the CGI, but I'm not with the Marvel stuff. You don't stand with the GOATs. is where it's at. Since when? Since always, bro. That's how you are. Since always. So you like the Batman and that? I don't care for Avengers. Not even Infinity War? None of that. Oh, come on, you're bugging. It's cool, I like the story, and that's where it ends for me. I don't care for me. I like DC because of how close it is to reality. I like DC because of how serious their storylines are. This is the narratives. The Dark Knight. Yeah, that's Give a serious a thing. That, that like, I'm, just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, with DC... <laughs> Anyways, back to my original point. <laughs> Let me drag it back <laughs> to Marvel. Let me fish it back. Anyways. I don't agree, but anyway, we're back Joker. Joker. Joker, wow. Joker has reinstated why I love um, DC. Love it. Storyline was great. Mm. Theme was great. See, DC is really good at what they call it, their character develop, um, development. That's what yeah. they are. And they're really good at telling the story. That's what I like about them. That's why I like their villain movies better. But like the other movies like Batman versus Superman and all that trash, I don't like that nonsense. Yeah, let's skip past But that. it's like Joker and like even Suicide Squad I liked, but a lot of people didn't like it as well. So. Yeah. Nah, I quite liked it. I thought it was that. Like, nah, for me... You like Suicide Squad? It was okay. Nah, it was meaty for me. That was meaty. But the thing I liked about the Joker was that how it was a real character dissection. Mm. How it really explored what makes a guy become the Joker. And you know what I've deep? I've been doing a lot of thinking about the movie. The Joker and Arthur are two different characters. And I think, I think, my theory, it's not even a theory. I think Arthur, the character known as Arthur, um, what's Fleck. Arthur Fleck dies. Arthur Fleck me me metaphorically dies. Metaphorically dies in the sense that Arthur Fleck gets everything taken away from him. Mm. He gets his job taken away from him, which provides him with his sense of purpose in life. He gets his, he gets his, um, he gets his identity taken away from him, where he finds out his whole upbringing is a lie. Yeah. He gets his um, romance, like he gets his need for romance taken away from him when he finds out everything that he thought he had with this one particular girl was a lie. So Arthur Fleck, for me, dies when he kill when he kills his mother, and Arthur Fleck's whole character arc is about seeking validation from others mm. everything he does is for is to is to fit in is to assimilate when we when we see him dreaming about um that um going on stage going on stage of murray it's all about he wants to be validated yeah. he wants even him being a stand-up comedian that that career is designed to seek validation and the joke the, the difference between Arthur and the joker the joker doesn't seek validation he, he gets it, but he doesn't seek it. Yes. The Joker, mm. he gets at the end when everyone's applauding him and clapping, but he doesn't seek it. Everything the Joker does is for his own benefit. Mm. But don't you think that's like, what do you call it? This whole movie shows is that it's really inspirational. So what I can say is that, what do you call it? The whole movie is basically that he, yeah, he wanted to seek validation from other people. He wanted to like go against his mum's words, how she was saying that he um, he's not funny and that stuff. And then he became funny. 
And then now that he's a joker, he doesn't need to seek validation anymore. So it's basically saying that, what do you call it? You go from a person always looking to other people for approval and stuff like that, and you finally find yourself and know that, yeah, I don't need anybody else's approval to be who I am. But, bro, you know what? I feel like he never stops seeking validation from other people, even when he becomes a joker. Do you think? Yeah. Because, end of the day, if you want to break down, like, people, break down how people think that psychologically, why do people kind of do bad stuff? Why do people kind of want to break down society? Mm. Because whether you're seeking validation from people or whether you're trying to get a point across and everything, everything we do is perpetuating an agenda, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. we want to perpetuate an agenda. We want to put our feelings onto society. Everybody, like, no matter what, no matter to what extent everybody wants, wants to perpetuate their feelings on society like mm. there's no doubt about that so i feel like that's kind of like the ongoing theme with arthur and the joker that's where they remain the same character that's why because i feel like because we all knew at the start of the movie that arthur is the joker yeah mm. we all knew like obviously everybody yeah. knows but i feel like there's not much there's not as much difference as we kind of think i think I there's like it's, I it's think still the com- same guy no, that's, i feel like they come from the same place of course, without Arthur, there is no Joker. They come from the same place. And a lot of the motivations that made Joker came from Arthur. But even in the way they carry themselves and their demeanor, it's like, for me, like Arthur was somebody trying to find, trying to fit in into the world. Joker is someone who doesn't care about the world. He wants to fit. The only per- the only opinion that Joker cares about is himself. He doesn't, even at the end here, where he's in the psychiatric, psychiatric ward and the woman, and he's laughing, the woman's asking, what's funny? You wouldn't get it. He said, he's telling you wouldn't get it. The joke's not for you to get. If I'm laughing, it don't matter. If I'm the one who finds it funny, it doesn't matter. I don't care about what the world thinks of me. And it's that, it's it's almost, he's free. He's free to, and he's in control. He's in control. Of, even the scene where, um, you know when he kills the guy from, that used to work with him. Mm-hmm. He kills the big guy. And he locks the small guy in the room. The reason why that scene is so scary is because for the first time in the movie, we see Arthur have complete control over a situation. He, wasn't he, ne- he, he has complete control whether this guy lives, whether the short guy lives or he dies. And that's the, and because he has ultimate control, it's liberating for him. It's like, okay, this is who I am. This is what I'm meant to be. Arthur is dead. The Joker is alive. And th- and the thing is, there's no and the thing is, there's no point to return to Arthur because everything he knows about Arthur is dead. Mm. Everything attaching him to his previous life is gone. His mom's gone. His Amari's uh, gone. Er- his job's gone. Everything uh, grounding him to a sense of reality is dead. He cannot. He is now the Joker. And what I what I love about the movie is that the movie doesn't condone his actions. The movie just gives us the context to why he did these things. Mm. Arthur, even going back like. Going back to the scene where he um, killed those guys on the subway. Yeah. When I first watched it, I was like, they deserve that. But when deep in, I was like, nah. The first two did. But when he went and hunted down that third one, that was that was vindictive. And that, that was malicious. Because that wasn't self The first two were self-defense. He hunted him down. Yeah. Stalked over him. Bang, bang. Then the part that sold it, sold it for me was when, he's, when he was dancing in the toilet. Mm. When he was, he was almost like, yes, this is, this is beautiful. And it, free. he feels free. And then that's the part that was like, this is disturbing. And the seeds were always planted from the beginning. Even if you read his book, like there were the normal jokes, then the dark jokes 
wearing black. Yeah. The jokes about killing yourself and death wearing black. So that part of him will always existed. And now that part of him has come to the surface and taken over. And yeah, I just think Joker is a beautiful character dissection. But yeah, I mean, anyone else like... Yeah. It's good to look at it from that way. Mm. A lot of people say, oh, it's disturbing and whatnot. But just if you look at it from the perspective of this is art and in some way simulates reality, mm. look at it from that perspective and take away from it. But mm. you might learn something from it. But mm. yeah, I'm saying, fam, while I 100% agree that that movie was like some sort of like... I didn't like necessarily have like an artistic trip or nothing, but it was just like... Yeah. That movie was like, like, I love the way it went into depth and I love how artistic it was. But based on liberation, I feel like it's too simplistic to say that the Joker's the liberated version of Arthur Fleck. Of course. No, I feel of, like yeah, it's way yeah. too simplistic. Yeah, because it's like, oh, how can I say it? Basically, with the Joker becoming this sort of evil character, like, how do you know that's the liberated version of himself? Because whether you like it or not, like, a lot of our attitudes that come from where we come from. Yeah. That come from home, innit? So obviously, but remember, a lot of his badness stems from badness because... What, what, the, the abuse he got as yeah, a child. Yeah, the abuse he got. Fam, a lot, a, yeah. lot, a lot of his sordid thoughts, like most of us, because I don't know if I'm speaking for myself, but I feel like a lot of people have like some sort of like weird yeah. outward thoughts, innit? Sometimes, yeah. let me say that with caution, innit? Yeah, yeah, but it's like, a, they'll always come from within they'll always come from your experiences so i feel like it's not necessarily a liberated guy i feel like it's just another form of his experiences mm. that hasn't been showed and i feel like it's i feel like even though there's no real like extended story that we've seen to like mm. say that this will happen to the joker after this long or after this long or after this long like i feel like it's just like another layer of him showing how damaged he is mm. like first you saw the the introverted layer now we're seeing like a more extroverted layer mm. but yeah but touching on uh what was it about how good the storyline is and how like super villains are shown like how the dissection of a super villain is really brought out like that's the thing about it i love so much in it because like i've always been like a like ever since i was like a six-year-old youth i've always been rooting for super villains mm. i love <laughs> villains in it like because i see myself more in villains than i do in any sort of Superman character in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the fact that it shows that supervillains ha always have a reason for why they're supervillain. Every mm. supervillain has a reason. Like, yes. like it's like death. Like people are always acting upon their reasons <laughs> to act in such a way. Mm. So a couple of tweets that I saw that made me think like, yo, like I don't like them tweets was when I'm seeing that people say, oh, why do they have to give the Joker a backstory? It ruins him being a supervillain. But yeah, with me, I don't like that because it's just like, just because you have like a certain idea of, of what the Joker of is, how, of how it should be, how DC characters should be, so forth. If you look at real life, people yes. that we see as like, say, 21st century, 20th century villains, for example, everyone knows Adolf Hitler. Like, when you say that name, people instantly say, yeah, bad guy, everything. We know everything he did and I condemn everything he did. But there's a reason. There's an origin. That, yeah. If you really like, if you look for the human part of him, there's a reason why he acted out the way he did. Mm -hmm. He's not justified in what he ended up doing, but like Ashton said, everyone has a reason for why they do what exactly, they do. Exactly. Mm. Sometimes it just takes you to hear them out. Maybe that can stop it. Like, mm. I don't think it was wrong to give Joker a backstory. I love but yeah, it. Yeah, I love it. But it. fam, like you said, touching on, going on a slight tangent, yeah? Like, because I'm a person that always says, obviously some actions like, 
you will condemn my whole chest. I'll always condemn certain things my whole chest. Yeah. Like talking about yeah. racism earlier, I'll always yeah. condemn that. But at the same time, I feel like everybody has a reason and a justification to do anything. Not that they should, mm. but everybody's got their yeah. own mm. their own justification for every single action they do. Their own reason for every single action they do. It's like well, I'm trying to think of something like evil. Like okay, so I'm from East London, yeah. So. I know people, or not know people, but I know people that know people that have gone to, let's say, ISIS, innit? Ooh. Yeah, do their thing there. Controversial topics, innit? Up, but let me tell you, because I've seen these ISIS recruiters outside Mosque Center. Mm. Like, they all pounce on the youths that have, like, a lot of family issues that Impressionable. are already troubled. Yeah, family issues, um, already on the cusp of joining the gang, um, who have a lot of bad energy to kind of let out of them. Um, troubled kids, vulnerable kids, troubled kids, and then they kind of build them up to fit their agenda and become. I've said agenda so many times today, it's mad, but yeah, but they'll build them up, they'll build them up to eventually go and join Islamic State, mm. right? And that's how it works. You don't mm. get the kids that are like on their deen that are in Quran every day, like because you're not going to mm. get them like that. Mm. So it's like, I feel like if I saw something on the media that was like that, for example, when you're talking about kids joining ISIS because you always see like how it's a bad thing you always hear about Shamima Begum because <laughs> bro but I've realised not That's one time have they said why Shamima Begum was so impressionable mm. to go in there to marry someone they don't, in they Islamic don't, they don't State they don't like. idolise the cause they just idolise the effect exactly yes. so and that, always cause an effect mm. always cause an effect always whatever way you look at it mm. they always cause an effect mm. everybody does everything I'm not believing that everybody does anything for a reason as in fate, but everybody has a reason for doing any, Something. everything. Every yeah. Action, everything. And yeah. so, yeah. So, let's go. Just going back to that Joker, I feel like... I was about to do that still. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah let's go. <laughs> but it's like, it's like society had failed, had failed Arthur. Yes. Society had failed him. Even, even going back to the lack of awareness for his mental condition. And the part that got me was like, you don't listen. Every day you ask me, do I have negative thoughts? I always Whoa. have negative thoughts. And it's like the system and the woman, like even he was explaining what he was doing. The woman was like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, we have to cut funding. And he was explaining himself, oh, but I need this and this and this. Where am I going to get my medication from? Um, uh, and you know how she ended it with like, she kind of basically told him, just deal with it. Like the world doesn't care for people like you and I, Arthur. Like she just told him, like and deal with it, firm it. It's like it, it, just like we saw in Arthur. It was too much for him to handle. It was too much for him to deal with it. But yo, I feel like anybody that's been in a bad place in life, yeah, like a place where all your thoughts are spiraling down downwards towards mm -hmm. negativity. Like I feel like that scene was like so mad because. I've never seen, I don't think I've ever, I can ever recall something in the movie being so reflective mm -hmm. as that point where you feel down and out and where you feel like nobody, like nothing can help you. Nobody can really do nothing for you. Um, everybody that you're kind of trying to let out any sort of emotion to is just kind of pushing it back or just push themselves onto you for, when giving their advice. Mm -hmm. I feel like that scene here was such a telling one. That's one mm. of the like, ones that, because when I watch movies, I forget everything. You know, I'm yeah. But I feel like that's one of the telling ones that I remember so vividly yeah. because like, I feel like so many of us have been in a situation yeah. where it's like, everything's just reflect, just bouncing off people. Like whatever we do, whatever we say, however we try to express, however we try to get problems out, nobody can, will ever kind of understand and listen. 
And so I've, mm. that scene was really for the sad boys out there, fam. <laughs> yeah. And I've, let's not forget. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Men have the highest rate of suicide. Yeah, yeah. By far, yeah. By far. Men have the highest rate of suicide. So even with that situation of like Ashton right now, just said like, <clears throat> if if you're if you as a person as an individual are trying to speak and be open about something and no one's hearing you out or like Arthur when he said you don't listen to me I'm coming mm. to therapy every week and you don't listen to me literally that that is a very is a, that's a true reality for a lot of people because mm-hmm. they think it's brushed under the carpet most literally. of the time and rushed until someone dead especially mm. for men especially for men and it's kind of like with, with with Arthur's situation it's kind of like the one thing that was not keeping him sane but like keeping him stable was the fact that he thought he had somebody he loved in, in that girl and when that he realized that all of that was fake it's kind of like again every like he had nothing at that point remember because even when he was going on murray's show he had nothing to live for he was going to kill himself yeah. when he, his initial plan on murray's show was to go bang kill himself he had nothing to live for he was rehearsing, he was rehearsing to kill himself but then when he got onto the show and the conversation with him and murray was brilliant because both of them are right in, in, in different ways. Mar- Arthur is right in the sense that people don't understand. People don't... Murray brought him onto the show to ridicule him. Yes. Murray nice. brought him on the show to make an example, not even an example, just to make a clown out of him. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. You didn't have to do that, bro. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, Murray just put him on the show to make him look like a fool yeah. and to laugh at him. And to be to big himself up, and Arthur was basically saying like, you don't understand people like me. But Joker was saying, and I, for me, it's like the reason why I go back to the theory that Arthur's dead. It's almost like again, this is again, this is like my English literature coming out. This all subtext and all this for me, it's like Joker is like an embodiment of Arthur's rage. It's kind of like Arthur's dead, but a part of him lives on in the Joker because that Joker is saying that Arthur died. I'm, I exist because of what you did to Arthur. I exist because you killed Arthur and this is, this is what has come of it. Me, a, a being who doesn't care anymore, a being who's lost all, all will. To the exactly. A being who's lost all will to conform to your societal standards because Tim societies to him, there is no point in conforming to society. What has society done for him? Yeah. What has society done to really benefit him or help him? So forget society. I may I'm living for me and me alone. And I'm and I'm exhibiting my free will. But where Murray was right was in the sense that you can't in life, like what Murray was trying to say was that you can't do this self-pitying thing. You can't, you have to, you have to persevere. Mm-hmm. Now that's, that's what Murray was saying, that you can't. Obviously, people are dealt bad hands in life, but it is your duty to kind of persevere. Again, that's ignorant coming from him, who's someone of privilege, who doesn't understand what Arthur's coming from. But at the same time, the notion, the idea of... Maybe he does, but... Again, yeah. But the notion to always persevere, to always move forward, is something applicable to everyone. And that's not minimising what people go through, but what choice do you have? It's kind of like you've got to persevere and become transcend your circumstances and another interesting point i noticed in the movie again this is like little salties when did again when joker is born the uncontrollable laugh stop ever Ooh. since ever since the it's, ever it's since analysis ever since the ever since the paint the face paint comes on 
the uncontrollable, painful laugh stop. Every time he laughs, he laughs because he wants a laugh. That's a division between him and Arthur because Arthur used to laugh at moments where he was uncomfortable. Joker is completely comfortable. That's why he's in control of his laughs. Again, that's what that's why for me, Joker and Arthur are two. They come from the same place. It's kind of like, um, what's it called? Um, Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, exactly, Ooh. exactly, Doctor Joe. Exactly, they're two different. They're two. They're two different entities that maybe inhabit the same body, but they're two different things. And Joker is, and I love the fact this is a little detail, but Gotham is presented as a well-established city in the movie. We through comics and movies we know that Gotham's a mess. When Batman comes in, Gotham's a mess. Mm. What happens at the end of the movie? Gotham becomes a what? A mess. Yes. So it's like in this universe. Did Joker make Gotham the way it is? And again, in his moment of not seeking validation, he's got the biggest validation he's ever received because he created what Gotham is going to be, a dump. He create, he unend, and again, when he shot those criminals, he didn't want to see, oh, he, he, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't seek validation, but what happened from, what happened from doing something that he generally wanted to do was that people started following him. They start when 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 the scene where he's dancing in front of all those people, he didn't intend that to happen. He was acting purely on his self-interest. And what did he get? Everything. The moment he dropped seeking validation. The moment he dropped it, he got everything. But he does at the same time, he doesn't want it. Oh, he disagrees. Devil's advocate again. Okay, go on. There was the Joker for me never dropped seeking validation. Ah. He just wanted to seek a different type of validation. Mm. Go on, go on. What? Because look, yeah, the whole movie, yeah. You're seeing kind of the political debate. You're seeing um, Bruce Wayne's dad. What's his name again? Thomas Wayne. Thomas Wayne, yeah. You're seeing him because, fam, some of the stuff he said in the movie, yeah, was like, politically, like, if we're talking from a politics point of view, yeah, like, wow, like, when he was like, oh, poor people are just, like, yeah. you guys are just clowns. You guys are just clowns, innit? Yeah, he literally said that. So, from there, yeah, because the whole movie is, like, so politically infused, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like, he can I feel like the, the politics has a lot more to do with it than they kind of showed. Mm. That politics was such a big part of the narrative, innit? And I feel like he's gone from like seeking like just I feel like a lot of us go through this stage like in our teenage years. Mm. You go from kind of seeking like general societal valid- validation, what you see in school, what you see here, to like seeking validation from like a certain group, no matter how big or small the group mm. is, you go from like rooting for a certain group. And I feel like the Joker went from not necessarily just being his own guy and not seeking any validation, but he went more to doing it for the little guy, doing it for the bad guy. Mm. Okay. Well, well, we obviously have opposing views on this, but it's, it's yeah. very interesting when you where you come from. What I say is that I agree that the validation changed, but again, the validation became more internal. I mm. think for me, for, for him, for it became more... As long as I find it funny, I don't care. And it's more like, I'm a quote Cat Williams here. I always use this quote. It's called self-esteem. Esteem of your mother bleeping self. Like, it's it's all about how you perceive yourself. And it became to the point where the joke is like, I don't care. I don't, I don't, like, I'm happy. And like on even other elements of the movie that I loved was the whole, the what this does for Batman's universe, as you can tell, I'm a big comic book fan. So what this does for Batman's universe is very interesting because a lot of the time in Batman-related media, we see Thomas Wayne depicted as this 
philanthropist, this giver, this somebody who's just morally mm. righteous. What this is introduces elements of grey. Batman still has his reasons for becoming Batman because the city itself turned against somebody who's doing good. But what happens is that what creates an interesting conflict between Joker and Batman now is that both of their perceptions of Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Both of their perceptions of Thomas Wayne are completely different. Thomas Wayne is, you know, for the to the Joker, not even Joker, to Arthur, white privilege. Rich guy, you know, you know, looks down on poor people, whatever. Tom Bruce Wayne looks at Thomas Wayne as a father. Someone who instilled in him core values to which he holds to this day about helping people. So it creates a very, it just adds another layer to the Joker and Batman dynamic for me. It just adds, okay, like these two and Thomas Wayne created both of them in the sense, not, okay, not Thomas Wayne specifically, but Thomas Wayne had a hand in both of them because... Both of his perceptions. Both, no, both Joker oh, and Batman oh. had a hand in the creation of both Joker and Batman. Because without the whole without the whole scandal about no, without even without the whole Thomas Wayne comments about clowns, he wouldn't be dead. He wouldn't be dead. But you know what I love about Thomas Wayne's role in this whole movie? Mm-hmm. Right? Who's director? Do you man know? Um Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips, shout out my man. But what I love about like Th- Thomas Wayne's whole character is that even though he was being depicted as a bad guy. It was still so open to interpretation yeah. how you viewed him because mm-hmm. a lot of people, yeah, because it's a movie where mature people are going to be watching. People know that is almost like uh, a psychological trip, kind of when yeah. you're watching this movie. So everybody knew kind of what they were getting into, yeah. Yeah. So it's like it's people that are always going to be open to interpretation. Like majority of people, I would say, a fair amount of people at least are going into the movie with quite an open mind. So the way they depicted Thomas Wayne's character here, yeah, I feel like. Is very good, like it is very like detailed in the fact that the stuff he said, his political views were still so open to interpretation because there there's gonna be like conservative people, yeah, sitting in the cinema thinking, you know what? He's right, what a good man. Like he's telling he's telling poor people get to your money pick up. Themselves back and, like, their he's, and he's telling them in a way that like even though it's not pleasing to the ears, is sort of direct. What a guy. There's going to be a lot of people that in the movie are thinking, what yeah. a guy, even though they know the character's being depicted as so-and-so, like, I mm. feel like the, the art behind that character specifically, even though he didn't play the most vital part in the film, or he, he didn't get as much screen time, I feel no, like, just fam, he was such an influential character in the whole script. The way that they've changed the whole narrative of Thomas mm. Wayne is so hard, so mm. sick. Yeah. Like, There's... Yeah, about to swear, but still... <laughs> Let me go back to this MCU guy, fam. See the way that we're getting into depth with this. See the way that we can relate to this. This is why I love DC. You can relate to be a psycho. No, not a psycho. Low key, though. Like, <laughs> in, in, in Marvel's defense, yeah, I could I could do the same speech about Thanos, but we're not going to get into it now. Um, bro, about Thanos. Thanos is such a com- mentally complex character, and he's one of the best characters what I've was seen. his reason? Huh? What was Thanos' reason? Oh, please, this is a Joker review. I don't no, want to get into it. What was his reason? Because I was still trying to figure that out. What, Thanos? Thanos was basically... Let's go. Okay, Thanos was basically trying... Basically, saw that the world was, was suffering from overpopulation. Overpopulation led to famine, led to death, led to starvation. So if you could half the pop, if you could half the population of the universe, people would be living in much... And people would live in, 
in peace. And the thing is, he's he was validated by the same thing happened to his planet. He he was proposing this theory of okay, let's kill half of our race to save our planet. The politicians of his planet said, nah, that's psycho. What happened to his planet? His planet died. Everyone on the planet, everyone on the planet went extinct. See, you see, you see the part where he's on Titan, where, where they're fighting Infinity War, where they're fighting on that planet. That's his planet. When they're fighting on Titan and he's showing them this used to be a paradise, what happened when over when when life wasn't regulated. So he's like, I'm the only person who has the will to regulate life. I'm doing this for the benefit of humanity. But again, this is a this is a conversation. Just to he's keep the hard. tangent alive for he's one hard. minute, yeah. Well, hey, you're actually a G in it, like, because you realize the complexes like I do, because this like I love the way it touches on like certain complexes, yeah. like inferiority and superiority superiority complexes because fam, Thanos had the he's got naturally like the maddest saviour complex that you can Ma- see mad deep how many people you know yeah in life that really have like mad saviour complexes trying mm. to save the world or trying to save an entire situation that will like come to their jeopardy but for like the approval of themselves so for the satisfaction of themselves for the inner so they yeah. feel good about themselves even, or other people even in Endgame when he saw he won he was like what did he say I'm inevitable he saw himself, when he saw himself in the future win, he was like, I did it. Like, I am, I am, like, he's, he, he's it's a God but, but complex. It's he said, I'm inevitable. I'm inevitable. So he said, like, I know I was going to do this anyway. Exactly. <laughs> but, but, but it's mad. I'm inevitable. Does he, does he mean, like, what he done was inevitable? No, he him. is inevitable. His, because, like, when he was having a conversation with Gamora. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to understand. What I'm yeah. saying is that if, if he didn't do it, was someone else going to do it? Is that what's inevitable? No. When he had the conversation of Gamora, Gamora was like, when he was when they were talking about the, how the planet needs, um, uh, how the world need, universe needs correction and needs um, regulation, Gamora was like, you don't know that. And he says, I'm the only one who knows that. So again, he's he's Superior, the only, and, 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 and he says, I'm the only one with the will to act on it. How did, sorry, I didn't watch all the MCU films. I didn't watch all the Avengers films. How did he know? Huh? No, but no, no. It's just like, for example, it's like, Say, say if you're polit- again. It was just foresight. It was just fo- he just had force, and again because it's happened to his own planet, he's had the experience of. Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. So basically, yeah. you never know anything yeah. anyway. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But he thought he knew based yeah. on his complex. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But what was his business with Earth? Uh, it was just same issue. No, universe. Earth is a part oh. of the universe. Snap! Like you lot, uh-huh. you lot are preventing me from doing what I want to do. You lot need to go. But anyway, back to the Joker. This is not MG. Back to the Joker. DC. 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 The thing. The thing I love about the Joker again it's just it's a massive character dissection of what the Joker is and what the Joker represents and I'm just very the, the one the one thing that everyone there's a there's a narrative going around when the movie first came around that it would cause a lot of serial killings mass shootings people would be inspired yeah. and it and it creates <laughs> and it creates the cut and they had the debate of how much does the media we consume have an influence on us the one thing, the one thing, Joker subtly does to address this debate. No media influenced him to become what he would became. Mm-hmm. Everything that, ev- no, of his exactly everything that, everything that allowed the Joker to become the Joker was all his interaction with environmental forces, which for me speaks. Which for me, if you've watched the movie, shuts down the entire notion of the movie inspiring or entertainment, in my opinion, inspiring violence. No, it's your in. It's it's down to the individual's interpretation 
an interaction with that piece of entertainment that incites violence. Nothing for me is inherent. Nothing, nothing for me will inherently inspire violence. Well, no piece of entertainment will inherently inspire violence. For me, it's about how the audience interacts with that Imagine. piece of entertainment. How the audience take in. Because I remember there was a serial killer, I remember in America, that was inspired by Catcher in a Rye, which is some next book about... It's not about murder. So it's like people... Yeah, I can't. I can't. Yeah, no, I don't think it's Dylan Roof, but no, that didn't narrow it down. I can't lie. I can't. I, can't, I know. <laughs> there's too many white. I know. There's two. I know, but I, I, I can't remember. Shoes of every race. I can't yeah. remember, but somebody was inspired to kill because of Catcher in a Rye, and it creates this conversation of how much influence does the media, does the media, the entertainment we consume have on us? And I like the fact that Joker wasn't. It wasn't like Joker saw a serial killer on TV and said, "I want to do that." It's environmental forces and his mental state that allowed him to you know, tap into that psychotic nature of his. And another thing is that a lot, another narrative that's been going on is that uh, this movie kind of trivializes mental health because it, cause it says, ah, oh, mental health, ah, um, oh, because if you have mental health issues, you're going to become a serial killer. It's like, no, this is a specific case. This Joker is a specific case. I was going to say that, like, you, if, if you watch Joker films before, if you've read comics, you know that Joker is always going to be a bad guy, bad guy, bad guy. <coughs> you knew that at the end of the film, by the end of the film, he was going to be No, you knew guy. by the name Joker, like, you, you know. Knew, but it's, it's like, it's like looking into the, the process of how he got there. That's what you have to look at, the fact that, what he got bullied by kids, got beaten up, got mm -hmm. fired from his job, got ridiculed. The system failed him. Yeah, the, the system he was failed called. him. Literally, literally, when he went to therapy, the woman did nothing for him, and what his own mum lied to him. What what, what else has it happened? Even do you know what's implied in the? Sorry, I keep talking. But, anyways, but the point the point I'm saying is like there's, you have to look at how he was treated. You have to look at the things that happened to him that pushed him to the edge. He ended up reacting in the way where he killed people, but. The thing is, it can happen to anyone. Cause and effect. To the edge. Fam, that's why I hate like these critics that come in because critics will always be critics at the end of the day. End People are always going to play devil advocate. Like, fam, we're out here playing devil's advocate for each other today. Mm. But that's why I don't necessarily like a lot of film critics, a lot of critics for games, for example, because for whatever anybody does, there's always going to be a reason. There's always going to be a backstory. But a lot of critics, especially in movies like The Joker, that are focused on the backstory behind the badness. Mm. They'll ignore the backstory yeah. because I've... they've got a feeling of the 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 end result. They, yeah. they, the end they don't like the end result. Yeah. But they'll ignore the backstory. But it is a play, a ploy on reality. Mm. Like a lot of people are so willing to ignore things because they don't like the end result. Especially critics in certain situations. Yeah. Like for example, like when they are saying like Top Boy is Top Boy is glorifying gangs to. I understand the view, but I can categorically say that I feel that is incorrect. Because look, how characters ending. Exactly. Characters are ending in prison. Characters are ending <laughs> mentally ill. Characters are ending as crackheads. Like, mm. bro, like, and this is what happens because we're all from areas in London that we know people and we've seen people go through certain things. Mm. And bro, I could count to you on, t on a million hands how many people I know that have gone in, that have like feared the similar fates. To some of the main characters there, so do you, like, do you feel like they were pushed as well the same way? Say for example, the Joker was pushed to the edge. Ooh, that's a good question. But yeah, like everybody is pushed by the environment. Whether and I feel like you can add this into into you can throw this into the stew as well. Like whether somebody is has had to like 
attain a certain lifestyle due to their financial circumstances or due to their upbringing or if they felt like they had to follow like a certain guy or a certain character or they felt like they had to be like that because while we all look down on certain men that do stuff for the image why are they doing stuff for the image why mm. are they willing why are they willing to risk their freedom risk their life with so many things for the image mm. and i feel like we want to we, we always focus on oh they had to they had to be in a trap be wherever because they're broke and eventually one thing led to another but what about the guys that I've had to that feel like they've had to do that because they had to attain a certain image? And I feel like that's it obviously we're that's going on a tangent, but that's all that's all like it all underpins the whole yeah. the whole thing of people like kind of feeling like they had to do something because of society, feeling mm. like society pushed them mm. to become some sort of mm. monster or some sort of negative figure. Mm. And definitely, yeah, like obviously it's like closing statements, but I feel like Joker really like put into put into perspective how important mental health is and not in the cliche way of uh check on your friends because you know they might become no in the sense that people might be going through it internally they might be going through it internally and just if somebody like i look at the case of Arthur, if somebody was just there to like truly care about him true and not for and not use him for their own benefit and say are you all right you good and actually take him in and show him genuine affection because that's what he lacked in his life, genuine affection. Let's not forget the fact that he saved the one guy that was good to him. Exactly. He let the one guy that was good to him, the... the, I can't remember. the politically correct term? Dwarf. 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 That. Hey, well... (laughs) well, well, I don't know if dwarf's politically... Yeah, but go on. No, I think it is dwarf. Okay. But the one guy that was nice to him, that was good to him, is the one person that he let walk out of his life like safely yeah definitely definitely always be that guy <laughs> <You never laughs> just me been listening just to motivational me. speeches recently you never know you never fam. know man. every single one's been telling you, you never fam, know. just be nice to people like, you, never go a long way. you never know fam. When, when he was there fixing his shoe and having lost his sign and people are laughing at him there did that guy realize he's gonna end up dead because of him no you never know how tables are turned. Exactly. Mashallah, final thoughts. What would you lot feel to rate the movie out of 10? Um, and your f- rate the movie out of 10 on your favourite thing about the movie. You know, for the longest time, for the longest time, just a little tangent, for the longest time, I've been stuck with Heath Ledger's Joker mm. saying this this film is the best film I've seen for a long time. This film is the best film I've seen. This, this performance is the best performance I've seen. But Joaquin Phoenix... Mm. Um, Joaquin Phoenix been a good actor, bro. Joaquin Phoenix is the truth. What's your favorite Joker? I can't. That for me. I need time. I need yeah, time. I still need to process. It's still fresh on my mind. But, but he's legit. Amazing, amazing. Honestly, rate out of ten. Damn, solid nine. Solid nine. I'd say honestly. Ash, what about you, bro? And you know what? Yeah, because I'm a harsh rate, isn't it? But. When I watch it with my people then, because I feel like I didn't process it as much as I have today or as much as I had to, where Newman said, yeah, talk about Joker today. Yeah, I said seven because like, I feel like there were a few things kind of like left out when they were going on like the whole, because the mental health aspect was a big one for me because like, like that's, that stuff's imp- quite kind of important to man. So it was like, I kind of thought that there were so, so much things that they left out, but it's come it's kind of come to me that it's not as that like, cliche as it would be if they went too in depth of, too yeah. in depth on it because a lot of things where they address mental health 
It's become cliche. It's become, it's like the football argument will happen. It's become run of the mill. It's become like something like societal that has to be like mm. spoken about that everybody's got to be on side about. But I feel like it didn't touch on that. It didn't touch on the cliche things. It done it in a very subtle way. So I'm going to have to bump my rating up to at least eight. Mm. Mr. Jigson. Mr. Jigson, you're awfully quiet today. Because you guys talk bare. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's done with the like, I, I feel like I had, I had enough to say today. But... Same, bro. What would you rate out of ten? I think, um, I'll say eight. Yeah, probably. Eight. I just like the way you showed how your mind is a movie and you can control it at certain times. So the whole thing with the girl is like he wanted that romance and then he created that in his head and he found out it was real. So it just all leads back to that. Yeah, your mind is a movie. And you have to be careful of what you like think and what like you overthink mm-hmm. and what you're allowed to come into your system. So like even like the, how people treat them and everything, even like certain things that people will say to you, you need to remember that if you allow that to, um, what do you call it? If you allow that label to then create you, then it's also gonna fail. Right. Yeah, so I'm just gonna say it's a nine. What did I say? It was it eight, innit? Yeah, it's yeah. eight, bro. Yeah, it's eight. There's only a handful of films that I've had to, after watching it, want to watch it again and do so much research on it. And this is one mm. of those. For me, um, I don't know. Do you know what? As much praise as I've given the movie, there were certain elements that I was like, not iffy on, but I just felt. You know what the whole the whole reveal of the romance being in his head was fine, but even so, I, f- I still felt like the rom. I guess I understand in hindsight why it was so like cliched and oh my gosh, she sees me for me because it was all in his head and that's how you you romanticize things in his head. Yeah. But as I was watching the movie, even after I was like, eh, I'm the you for me with that scene. You could have for me. You could have taken out that entire romantic segment, even with the ending. Of it being a, a dream, you could you could have taken that all out, and I still would have enjoyed the movie for what it is, because because for me that just felt like extra. It felt it like to be in there because it, every movie's got romance. Yeah, so it, just, it felt extra. It's yeah, like yeah. the core storyline for me is his relationship with his. He needs, he needs validation in every sector of his life. Mm. Love but do you feel like it was extra though? Do you feel like yeah? yeah. It was. Like, it was even saying during the film was like this. This relationship doesn't make no sense. Yeah, and then we realize. It's uh, so I was like, even I understand the necessity of it being there, but it's like for me, you could have taken it out. Like for me, it's like I'll look at if, I look at things like if you take it out, how does it affect the story? For me, if you take that out, the core cool story of him being abused by his mother, him seeking validation in the workplace still remains, and his transformation to the Joker isn't altered in any way, shape, or form. So for me, that part is a bit of a uh. But other than that, I feel that this movie is phenomenal. Personally, for me, Heath will still forever be my Joker. However, Joaquin, but I'm not gonna argue anybody who says Joaquin Phoenix is their Joker because his performance as Arthur Fleck into the Joker is is brilliant. And one thing I do like is it feels like this, even though they're completely different universes, completely different movies, it feels like this Joker and previous interpretations of the Joker are still the same. The core of the Joker still remains within most interpretations of the Joker. That's why I hated Suicide Squad's one. But, you know, we're not going to talk about that. Oh, Joe so, yeah, I hated oh, that one. He, he was terrible. Terrible. But anyway... You got like, a bad hand, though. Hmm? Yeah, little got dealt a bad hand. Yeah, the the script for that movie. He's a good actor. Yeah, yeah very good actor. Right? That one on him. He yeah, but I'd hand. rate it probably. I was gonna say eight point five. Now, let me let me let me ask. Uh, uh, a nine out of ten. That movie is a solid 
nine out of ten. Oh, Can I also touch on before we end some of the scenic shots in that film, like were yeah, very good. Amazing. Like, like when you're talking amazing. about the girl, remind me of the one like you know when he follows her. Like I don't know why it's talking about. You know when he follows her into her workplace, yeah. it's all like a big like scenic like not necessarily bird's eye, but quite mm. a, a long shot. Yeah. Of him like following her into her workplace, mm. for some reason that that kind of helped me like dissect. It kind of foreshadowed. It, it foreshadowed so well that this whole romance is weird, not right, fake. Yeah. Because the way you just saw him, because he's a yeah. very awkward character. The way you just saw his awkward walk following her, and like you could tell something even, worked straight. Even, so. even the fact that she was like, "Did you follow me?" He's like, "Yeah," and he's like, and she's okay with it. I was like. <laughs> You know, it's, it's mad. You don't know what's real and what's not in that film. You I don't know. know what's in his head and what's not in his head. I, know. I don't even I know. know if they even met like that. I know. They, I it's don't good know. that you got to understand both exactly. perspectives. Though. Exactly. Yeah, I like yeah. it. But Ashton, bro, it's been a pleasure to have you on yeah, today. Literally, you, we will plug your socials down below. Again, on the screen. Too. On the screen. For the audio listeners, mm-hmm. this will be in the description. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Spell it right, you man. Spell it right. <laughs> <laughs> no, we will spell it right. But make sure, you know, oh guys, keep sharing, keep liking, sub- hit that subscribe button, please. We appreciate the support. We're loving the support we've been getting recently, man. So definitely, man, this has been the Rare Podcast. We're signing out. Peace. Deuces. Catch you on the next one. Y'all niggas got me hot.